Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left. This is episode 79. We are almost hitting our 80th. Uh, and uh, I am your host, Chris. With me, as always, is the good Reverend Dr. K. Good evening, everyone. Matthew Jumbo Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And we have a guest, uh, intrepid reporter Joe Mayall, is here with us today. Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, you guys are going to like him. You can definitely check him out on Twitter at Joe Mayall. Uh, J-O-E-M-A-Y-A-L-L. And at the end of the episode, we'll give him uh, some shameless plug time. So, But we do want you to go check him out. Um, but Joe is uh, is reason he's on is he's actually written some really cool pieces uh about um about about bacon patrols uh we're talking about replacing uh armed and dangerous police gangs responses to people in crisis with people who can actually help them like social workers and counselors uh people who aren't going to gun down men with cell phones and children and will actually serve and protect those people uh, and so we thought, especially going on right now with the Zuvali police shooting videos that have just come out, um, we should talk about uh, some action we can do for some real heroes. So, Joe, why don't you tell us about it? Like, you you wrote a, you wrote a whole kick-ass piece about uh, the Denver Star program, uh, and also you wrote a really cool one that I really liked um, called Blue Lives Matter More Than Yours, uh, and we'll put a link to it on here. I actually tweeted it earlier. Um that was just a really good piece on exactly what the problem is. So why don't I let you put it in your words? So doing these multiple reports, right? Give us the skinny on what you found and what you think. Yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. Yeah. So the first one was a um, kind of look at uh, what is known as Denver star program, which is support team assistance response program. Um, I live in Denver. Um, anyone who spends time in Denver and you'll all often hear like the, most pressing visible issue with the city is homelessness, drug abuse. Um, basically, you you don't have to be a, an expert to suss this out. Um, and so the reason I, I wrote about this is Denver started this program, which is basically a non-police emergency response unit um, that responds to, um, let me quote them here, uh, each team consists of an EMT and a behavioral health specialist who respond to individuals experiencing crisis related to mental health issues, poverty, homelessness, and substance abuse. So basically, if there's someone doing drugs outside my um, outside my door or doing some mild trespassing, whatever, and I call 911, I, who will be sent is a, a social worker, an EMT, and a behavioral health specialist instead of a cop. Um, Stanford University wrote a report, um, and the top line is is that this program was incredibly successful in its pilot program. Uh, that was a six-month pilot with two people in a van. Um, they reduced crime by 34%, and they cost about 25% as much as the cops. So they are more effective and far cheaper than the armed police. And, of course, they don't have any of the the baggage of, you know, like Chris said, shooting someone who reaches for a cell phone or like, you know, tasing a motorist for driving while black or anything like that. So, yeah, um, I was looking into it and it looks like, I guess they were averaging it out. And I guess in Denver, 
for a cop to come out, it's something like 650 bucks per call. Whereas when the star program comes out, it's like something like ridiculously low. It's like 134 or some low amount like that. So, I mean, we're talking serious savings. So fiscally, for those of you that actually give a shit and you don't care about humans, you just care about money, this is the financial option that makes the most sense. And for those of you that actually, you know, have souls and empathy and actually want to see, you know, solutions to these problems, it works far and away better. Like, and they're understaffed, underfunded right now, aren't they? Like, they don't have really a big budget. Like you said, it's just people working in a van, right? Correct. Yeah, um, you're spot on about the uh, about the the fiscal side. I I always kind of hate like putting it in terms of of monetary value, just because like that isn't what our focus should be, right? But yeah. um, no unfortunately, yeah. yeah, that's a that's I wasn't accusing you of that. That's just like yeah. a. Um, something I, I think worth is calling out. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. DPD's Denver Police Department averages $646 per response and STAR is 151 And that's not even factoring the cost of like, if DPD shows up and arrests someone, like I'm pretty, uh, last number I heard was like about $50,000 to house an inmate a year, something like that. So we're not even yeah. getting to that. We're just talking yeah, about- Yeah, that's just call. for the call for them to come out. 100%, yeah. I gotta feel like, when you talk about these programs um, to people that don't care about the actual people, you have to talk to them about dollars and cents. And because that's the language that they understand. And those are the things that they really care about. So when you go, Hey, it saves X amount of dollars that we could use somewhere else to do something else, regardless of what that something else is. That's the only way sometimes to get through to people. Yeah. And it's real. I mean, let's be, let's be fair. Ammunition is expensive, and to pump sixty rounds into the back of an unarmed black man right? uh, costs a lot of money. Well, it was, it was uh, more than sixty rounds. More than sixty. Rounds. <laughs> well, it depends. I'm just saying. Tamir Rice only took a few. Like when you when you're shooting children, it's actually That's much true. cheaper. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, they they cover <laughs> less area. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be the next defense from the Uvalde Police Department. Also, it's just cutting costs. Um, but <laughs> Cut out the middleman, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the, the problem I have with this, this program is it sounds great, but who's going to shoot my dog? Uh, I don't think a social worker and a crisis worker is going to. And I'm getting really tired of the woke left not murdering everyone's pets or neighbors. Yeah, I know. We're just we're just going to have to uh, find a substitute somehow, you know. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Obama. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everything comes back to him. <laughs> <laughs> So now I also want to talk about your your seriously awesome piece. The one that really I loved was piece that was titled Blue Lives Matter More Than Yours. You're saying you got a lot of pushback from people before they actually read the article and just read the title? Yeah. So um, this is a piece I wrote, like, honestly, like when um, the Uvalde shooting happened, I, I think like a lot of people, it's just a lot of like, you know, rage and anger and sitting and waiting for the, the details to come out. Um, and as as we now know, like as the details started coming out, like the picture just got worse and worse. Um, and so this piece was just kind of like my, I think I was honestly just like venting about like what I see as the problem with American policing is that cops inherently, you know, view their lives as more important than, than other people. Um, hence the title blue lives matter more than yours to answer your question. Yeah. You know, like I tweeted it out and people would be like, I think, taking it at surface surface level, like, fuck you, man. And then like would <laughs> come back later with another tweet and being like, Hey, 
Uh, sorry, I apologize. I just read it. Okay. Uh, I like it. Good job. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to basically tie together and I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Um, but as we now know, like the Uvalde police basically sat outside and twiddled their thumbs while I think the final death count of 19 children were massacred. Um, yeah. and the reason they did that is because they didn't want to get shot for all the rhetoric called the Punisher imagery about how they're these rogue tough guys who are willing to like blur the line and be badasses. Um, that's not true. And we saw that wasn't true in Uvalde. We saw that wasn't true in Stoneman Douglas shooting in Florida in Columbine. And it's also the reason why, you know, Chris, I think you mentioned Tamir Rice, right? The cop shot yeah. Tamir Rice because they quote unquote feared he had a gun. Um, and it was what within know? like it was like like two point one seconds or something yeah, like that. Like, it was literally like, the kid like didn't I'm have enough time to respond. Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. screaming at you to do something, and before I even finish my sentence and you have a chance to react, I'm shooting you. Yep, that, 100%. That, that was it. Well, yeah. I think you kind of touched on that in the article. You actually had this line, the, the one that really resonated because I've actually been talking about this uh, the last few weeks in our cast. I bet you anything, this is going to be the same line I hit. hit Probably it is where you talk about the the image right from from the school shooting, and you're and you're describing kind of the screen grab of the cop who's going after the parents, um, and you said, "Here's the video. Notice the cop in the foreground. His rifle is stashed and his taser is ready. The preference for non lethal weaponry suggests he views the parents as more of a threat to him than the shooter." And that really touched because that's what kind of I've been saying is like, it's funny how these guys are go still, even in this moment where just their absolute cowardice is on display, they will still happily go gung ho against an unarmed mother. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who they're going to tase and put in cuffs, you know? And as soon as there's, you know, actual shots getting fired inside, they cower and hide like the absolute, you know, bastards they are. And, and, and again, we, 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 we let, them get away with this at all times it's always like well the cop's life was in danger the cop was in fear for his life he's got a duty to go home to his family it's like can you imagine going to a hospital and, and being like i'm sick and the doctor's like whoa you're sick stay home get the fuck out of here i don't want to i got a wife and kids at home i don't want to bring them home the flu what the fuck's wrong with you and you're like, no this is a hospital i'm, I'm here for help i like, hey, get help somewhere else bitch i'm 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 here to fucking give out drugs like no 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 you get your sick ass out of the hospital we don't want you here you know and, and doctors and nurses cowering from covid patients like you don't see that you see every other first responder I mean, you see emts driving ambulances into literally gang shootouts to get people you see firefighters doing two in two out running into burning buildings with you know, still strapping on their safety gear to save kids inside of buildings you see doctors and nurses I mean, we saw we watched in the beginning of COVID, we watched doctors and nurses with fucking garbage bags over their bodies to protect them and working insane, thankless shifts to try to save lives around the world. Not even the United States, globally, first responders do this. This is naturally around the world. The firefighters in the U.S. are the same as firefighters in the fucking Philippines or in Mexico or in Finland. Like, it doesn't matter where you go. People who rescue humans out of burning buildings will value innocent life. And will risk theirs to do that. That's the job. If you can't do that, you don't sign up for it. And that's with all jobs, with the exception of cops. We say you have ultimate authority, you carry weapons, and we're also going to make the people who are apparently we're supposed to believe are safeguarding us 
and we're going to let you value your lives above ours. And I don't, we don't allow that with any other first responder profession, but here we go. We see it on display and it's rare to see both happen simultaneous where they're both hiding and cowering from duty, but then to keep the status quo, we'll happily tase the shit out of an unarmed mother. Yeah. That's a great analogy about doctors. I, I never like thought of it, but it's almost grotesquely comical thinking of a doctor like that. Yeah, you're you're right. That those videos of um the Uvalde police like tasing, handcuffing, detaining the parents who um are begging them to save their kids. One mother actually ran in, uh got out of the handcuff somehow, jumped a fence mm-hmm. and saved her two kids. Like there's just no bigger indictment. And I'm not a religious person. If I was, I would be thinking like, oh, this is God just being like, here is everything wrong with the current system, like right in front of you. It's on camera. Like you have the quote unquote stats you need to put in the newspaper, 19 dead, how many wounded? Like it's almost comical. Like Uvalde PD had done active shooter drills with this squad at this school. Like it, it could not be more obvious. And I, you know, I, th- I think my frustration is shared with a lot of people. Um, this is a podcast. So if you can't tell I'm white, um, I think this frustration is probably 10 times what I'm feeling in, you know, communities of color and black communities, because a lot of the stuff I talk about in the article is about how, you know, like you said, every time a cop shoots a, an unarmed black guy, it's, oh, well, I was scared for my life. And our collective response as a society should be like, Tough shit, man. Like, get a different job if you're scared for your life, right? Like, I yeah. I work on the computer all day. Like, there's plenty of jobs like that. Go get one. Like, you don't get to, like you said, sign up to be a doctor and then be like, whoa, I didn't know there'd be needles involved. No one told me this. <laughs> Look, I, I want to be a roofer, but I'm afraid of heights. And I just exactly. think it's up that you're making me go up there. Yeah. So you shoot someone who asked you to go up the ladder to your roof. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, basic job description, line one. Well, and the cop who was on his phone, right? The one, the, the one who's been, you know, nailed for having the Punisher logo because he's such a badass, right? Yeah. That guy's wife was getting shot. Yeah. Wife was getting, like, not only are, do we have the, like, is he in this situation where it's ridiculous that he's not acting, where unarmed people were happy to go in and act. His wife was literally being murdered while this was going on in that school, and he could not be bothered. Like, I'm sorry, anyone I loved, I don't care if my boss was like, you can't do that. I my boss to go fuck themselves. Like, that's the thing we always hear. It's like, well, it's the job. It's a job. You're allowed to quit anytime you want. It's why I don't respect cops, even, quote, unquote, the good ones, because you can walk away anytime you want. You're not you're not a slave. You, you, they, they, didn't, they didn't give you a kidney. Like, it's a job. They pay you money, and they give you a job, and you can walk away. And the problem is the reason they don't is because where the fuck else is a D student who barely made it through high school date rapist going to get a job that pays him six figures? You're not. If you don't believe me, Google 40% of cops and you can find out exactly what the police force is up to. And even the ones that don't, by the, by the way, even the ones that don't make six figures, the places they live, what they make is equivalent to making six figures where they live because the cost of living is so low. So I don't want to, 
just to get ahead of anybody that's being, well, I live in bumfuck Idaho and the cops here only make 60K a year. Yeah, in bumfuck <laughs> Idaho, that's fucking six yeah, figures. That's what enough to buy a house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing is that that trope of, well, it's not much on an honest cop salary. It's like, yeah, no, no, cops make good money. And, that, and that, here's the thing. I'm okay with first responders making money. I'm okay with fire department, firefighters making good money. Uh, I think it's a crime how little we pay EMTs. I am a plus hundred percent on board. Pay first responders the like first responders and teachers should be the highest earners in the fucking nation, yep. right? Um, after that, add reporters, social workers, you know, people who actually contribute and create an informed and better society. These are people and people who safeguard society. They should be paid. I am fine with cop salary. I'm not fine with what we have as an institution of policing, and. That salary helps keep the absolute worst people on board because where the fuck else are these stupid cowards going to find a job like that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things where, like you said, like totally, like first responders should be making the most money. I, I always like use this metric of like I I have like a cush marketing job, so I sit at home and send emails all day. Right, it's very important. Uh, Sarcasm. And like, I always think about like, it's an an indictment of capitalism and our country if like I'm making more than like a public servant, a teacher, a nurse, um, anyone like that. Um, But you're, you're right. Like it is, and I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Like I struggle with it, whether it's a nature or a nurture thing with cops, as if, do we think this job is attracting like the people who are, more prone to like want to seek power or do we think that you know once you get into the academy like there's this culture of telling you like um have you guys ever seen the video of uh the i don't know what you'd call him lecturer who goes around and tells people how to tells cops how to be like a a lethal killer to protect himself yeah 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 like i'm and i go back and forth of whether like you know good-hearted people can enter this system and then go through that ringer and then come out the other side, you know, with a, with one hand already on the trigger, or if like current policing is just sort of attracting these people. So the uh, answer actually, is, it, is it's yes, both. it's both. Yeah, it, it is absolutely both. Listen to episode 77. Yeah. Uh, we actually <laughs> had next. So we've had two people on so far and actually, went through basic training or the academy wow. of basic training. They went through same thing basically, but they went through the academy and one of them didn't even make it into the academy. He's like, this is awful. I can't do this. I have a conscience. The other right. one made it out of the academy. We just had him on. That's what Chris is talking about. Uh, made it out of the academy lasted, I think 10 days. And he was like, Nope, I'm out now. And this is anecdotal. Um, I mentioned this before. I do. I am friends with a cop. Now I do believe he's one of the quote unquote good ones. However, I now have learned for a fact that his entire career has basically been relegated. He's never going to advance. He's never going to get promoted. He's been skipped over, over and over again. And the reason why is because he's actually spoken out against people that he's found being racist and being horrible. And it's the same situation that Chris was talking about. Like, where's, where's he going to go? Dude's got a wife and kids. Dude's not going to make what he's making anywhere else. Even without the promotion, he's guaranteed to constantly get raises and things like that. He's stuck. So I think that's the more on the like the what you get on the decent guy side. I think it's one of those two things. Either their conscience doesn't allow them to stay in or they get into a situation like this where they're ostracized even 
ostracized even within their own um, community, right? Then the flip side is what you were talking about. You've got these, basically what Chris said, these D-student date rapist jock boys who, who, you know, couldn't find a job elsewhere. They couldn't get uh, recruited by a college uh, to play sports or something. They needed somewhere to go. And lo and behold, there's, you know, sheriffs, cops, policing, uh, corrections. That's another big one for these assholes. Like Border patrol. Border yeah. patrol. Yep. Yeah. All that <laughs> and, and here's the thing. These institutions recruit from these assholes. It's no different than, than any military institution. They go out and look specifically for these kinds of people because they know that they're going to fucking shut their mouths, do what they're told, and, and be indoctrinated into this. They're prone to this kind of thing. And then I think there's absolutely a, a second... A, third or fourth one, if you will, I think there's absolutely a, the quality of a good person who's just not strong enough to resist it and eventually starts drinking the Kool-Aid and you go in and eventually you come out and you're just as bad as the date rape drug uh, uh, D students. Like, I think all of that happens. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's definitely a, a mix of both because I do believe that policing and military do tend to recruit the knuckle draggers, right? Um you know, again, these are jobs that do not require an ounce of intelligence. And in fact, an ounce of intelligence is a detriment. Questioning orders, questioning systems that are going on are not allowed. And again, for and there's almost an understandable to it. Like you're from the military, you need to fucking follow goddamn orders right away. You know, mm-hmm. if someone can't be like, hey, go over, we're, you know, quick, run a quarter mile this way to save your life. You can't sit around and go, why? Because there's a fucking artillery coming in, dude. Run! Like there are. It's understandable why you need a knee jerk, not questioning orders. But so you already need. And again, that's most people. Like, let's be real. Um, a majority of people do not question much of authority. You know, in, in, until and the only time you find questioning of authority in large amounts of people is when you have popularized mass movements, right? So, like, right now, people are definitely questioning our government, our foreign policy, our policing, but that's because it's become popular this decade. Before that, very few were. I have hated cops since I was a teenager, but I was in a vast minority. Now, suddenly, I find myself in a majority of Americans who don't trust police officers. And so I think most people aren't willing to simply just be like, ah, screw everything about my own culture and society. Um, and I'm going to hate this thing or question this thing or say, why should I do this or list, not listen to my boss? You know, again, I'm not saying like it's 1%, but a majority do not do that. And that's because that's how humans have evolved. Like, you know, you, we are we, we are the top of the food chain because we work well together in groups and we follow social norms. That's why cognitive dissonance exists. We've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast. Uh-huh. But I think I think that's only a small part of it. Uh, so I do definitely think it obviously – so it already recruits people who are not big brain energy, right? But the big thing is there has been experiment and study after study after study that has shown it does not matter who you are. The average person – and again, there will always be dissenters, but the average human being will commit atrocities if told to do so. And again, I don't like using the Stanford Prison Experiment because the Stanford Prison Experiment is bullshit. Uh, it, it has been – yeah, disproven a, a million times. It was yeah. like, well, it wasn't a hoax, but it was it was definitely a hacked experiment, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, not a good other one. one. The the electricity one. The you thing is, there's about, right? yes, there's there's many of them. I think it's, it's just lots of studies. And actually, again, I've recommended this on the show before. There's a book called Ordinary Men that I recommend everyone in the world read this book. And I know it's a history book, so eh, I know you're not going to want to read it, but. <laughs> 
it's not that long. It's really good. And it actually follows a, a brigade of Polish police, Nazi police. So basically, the not Germans, when they invaded Poland, sent a bunch of Germans into Poland to be cops. And these guys weren't regularly cops. These guys were masons and field workers and fucking newspaper salesmen, like whatever. They were just random dudes who just needed some work because, you know, their city was getting bombed. And so they signed up to be cops and occupied Poland, right? So they got sent off and they went through training the thing and then immediately were like, okay, it's time to kill all the Jews. And they were, they were, everyone was just like, what the fuck? And like, there's, you know, these are written accounts of them saying like how horrified they were. And they were later like, here's a town, massacre everyone. And literally, in, in the you know in the opening of this, the, the commander says, "Anybody who can't stomach this, opt out right now. Nothing bad will happen to you. But now's your chance." And like two guys were like us, and they were like, "Okay, yeah, cool. We'll put you on light duty. We'll put you somewhere else." And they went back to the barracks. And they had to like be cooks and stuff, you know. And that was it. Nothing bad happened to them. And after seeing that, still the rest of the men were like, "Well, orders are orders." And they went in, and then they literally, I mean, they, 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 they burned babies, and they shot women in the back of the head. They had an entire execution method where they had to adjust their bayonets, and they were taught the right way to put your bayonet at the base of the skull so that the bullet would go right through the head, the right portion, and it wouldn't blow brains back onto your face when you were shooting people in a ditch and all this. And it starts in the very after they do their first massacre, these guys go back to the barracks and like no one wants to eat. They're all like, oh, what the fuck have we done? This is kind of the, none of them are saying this, but there's this, this kind of feeling of, of, of trauma. <clears throat> and then, you know, a week later, they get sent to another village and now they're starting to just, oh, this business as usual. And not a single person dissents, not a single person asks to be opt out, which anyone can at any time. And they start just doing it until by the end of their adventure, uh, they were doing they were playing games like having the Jew hunt uh, where they would go out into the woods and release people and chase them down to rape and murder them. Uh, one of the brigade captains ha- writes a letter about how he was so mad because he's hanging out with his wife who's visiting him. And one of the guy knocks on his door and he says, I haven't had my breakfast yet. And by that, he means he hasn't killed a Jew yet today. And then his wife was horrified. It's all this and it's, and it's, and it's this all resulted from uh, a post-war investigation into how the fuck did this happen? And it follows this one brigade because it's the only brigade where there is so much written. There's an insane amount of documentation, but there's all of these from that war and from many wars. There's a lot of this stuff from Vietnam. Um, hell, if you watch the movie Platoon, it's about this. And, and that's a glorified good guy rendition of it. Most times you, there's all these accounts of people who should have been tried for war crimes in Vietnam who went on rape and murder sprees. And the whole fucking platoon just went along with it because that's human nature. You are told to do something, regardless of what it is, by an authority figure, you will do it. And when you have a it, when you have an organization like policing, right, that has nationwide unions, incredible purchasing power, incredible lobbying power, you know, striking cops, even though it's technically not supposed to be legal, they do. You know, they have their blue flus, right? And they can strike for things. And all of a sudden you have people who aren't accountable because you know, look at Arizona in Arizona. They just passed a law this week uh, statewide that you cannot film a police officer conducting police business within eight feet of him. Right. So if you are the subject of this, you could no longer film your own arrest. Uh, secondly, if somebody else is filming, say from across the street, all it takes is one cop to run over to them and close that gap. Now they're within eight feet. They can be instantly arrested and tried. Even though they were 30 feet away, all the cop officers run over and get within eight feet. They're recording within eight feet and now they're in cuffs. 
most police um, accountability councils, right? Uh, I'm forgetting the word here. Um, there, I, half of them are cops, and the ones who are civilians are oversight boards. The, mm-hmm. the civilians on the oversight boards are bootlickers. They are spouses of cops. They are ex-cops. And we have police policing themselves. It's, it's this unaccountability cycle of the worst people being commanded to do the worst things with no accountability and then being praised as heroes by half the country for what they do. Anyone that questions it, they're the ones that are wrong. I think one of the best memes, I don't know if you guys watch this, but like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, John C. McGinley, who played Perry Cox in Scrubs, plays the union rep for the cops. And it it's supposed to be a joke, but I've never seen anything that I think rings more true, where it's like the cops are doing something bad and the union rep is like, no, you're the victim. It's everybody else that's got a problem. Why are they anti-cop? Why do they hate the cops? Why? I mean, yeah, sure, you raped and murdered someone, but that's what you needed to do to do your fucking job. Why is everyone else anti-cop? Because you're doing your job. And that's, and that's exaggeration, but not by much. That's the kind of spin these people are getting. And it's not just from union reps. It's from their superiors. It's from their friends. It's this clickish thing. I mean, yes, the authority figure is going to be the leader that tells them to do it and they'll acquiesce to that. But all you need is like three or four other guys that are gung-ho about it too. And suddenly anyone that's not with those guys is ostracized from the group. Yeah. This whole system is designed to take advantage of human nature and force people in to complying with this behavior. Like Chris said, to the, to the point where eventually you do it so much that it becomes normalized. And that's another thing is like, we're adaptable human beings. One of the reasons we've been able to survive is because we can adapt to any situation. Like it doesn't matter what situation we're put in. We could be homeless. We can have, we could literally have, there's a great movie that my wife and I recently watched called love and monsters, which is literally a, a meteor strikes and every fucking ant and lizard in the, in the fucking planet becomes that a fucking Godzilla awesome. monster. It is. And humans adapt and survive. And again, the, the, the reason I bring it up is because our very nature is program us to be able to take whatever fucking bullshit situation we're in and make the best out of it. So in a situation like with policing, even somebody that goes in for all the right reasons and swears up and down that they are not going to let this system or any of this horrible shit turn them. It's two choices. You either have to accept that you're going to be the one person that everyone in the fucking precinct hates do your 20 years and then get out on your retirement, quit, or become part of the pack. Those are your options. And they're all they garbage. They, they are. They all suck. But here's the thing. The one that, where you become part of the pack, at least you got friends. At least you're getting yep. pay. At least you're getting advanced. You've got a yep. whole community of people that are telling you this is okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. I think you guys are spot on about um, kind of the, the psychology behind this. And I, I think it's that's a really important message that like we should be very vocal about because I think, you know, I'm willing to bet like the majority of Americans like have some sort of personal relationship with a cop, whether an uncle or a friend or whoever. Um, I certainly do. And I think like, you know, when someone hears a message of like, Oh, defund the police or like we need to um, basically replace this system entirely. Their first response is like a, oh no, well, my uncle Bob is a great guy and he's a cop and he wouldn't do that. And I think really explaining to them like the psychology is, as you guys just walked through, is a much easier way to understand how like, yeah, maybe their uncle Bob is 
super nice to them and like shows up to Thanksgiving with a smile and buys them the best Christmas presents. But when it's him and four other officers, you know, pulling over a car at two o'clock in the morning, like that's where like that psychology um, takes over. I think the best example of this is I, I cannot get this image out of my head of, I believe it was Buffalo, New York during the um, 2020 uprisings, the George Floyd protests where oh, the cop the that cop, shoved the old man. Yep. And yep. after a quote unquote serious internal investigation, the cop was put on, I believe it was uh, paid leave and all 67 officers in his unit resigned in protest. Like he is on video pushing over an old man who cracks his head and begins to bleed out of his skull. The rest of the cops step over him like he's a piece of trash. And the cops thought that they were the victim there, right? Like if you had pulled all those people, they would have said, oh yeah, no, I'm the victim. That cop was a quote unquote left wing Antifa agitator, whatever. Like just like that Brooklyn Nine-Nine sketch rated R. And it's, we were talking earlier about the, the few bad apples thing. And one of the reasons I hate that phrase is I think it's actually a hundred percent wrong. I think it's the other way around. I think there are these pockets of like decent people in an overall rotten system. The problem with that phrase is that it's half a fucking phrase. The whole thing (laughs) is a few bad apples spoils the bunch. The whole point of that phrase is to let people know it doesn't matter if it's just a few bad apples because a few bad apples corrupt everything and i mean it just it blows me away that we as a site we do this so much as we cut shit down it's the same thing with the fucking customer is always right thing it's the customer is always right um in in terms of fashion or something like that the in matters that, of taste in matters of taste yeah. it means if the customer wants to buy something fucking ugly you let them buy f- something fucking ugly not give the shitty asshole karen whatever the fuck she wants because she's a bitch like we've completely twisted these sayings around to fit a narrative that they were never meant to represent. It's just insane to me. Yeah, Matt, it's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like that's supposed to be like, like your bootstraps are below you. It's supposed to be like self-defeating. And then people will like look at a homeless guy on the street and be like, come on, man, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and think that they're in the right. Right. Like it's insane. We, my favorite one, this is off topic, but my, the one that, that just, it, it, it just frosts my weenie every time is <laughs> is is blood is thicker than water that one oh my drives God, yes. me mad because yeah. blood is thicker than water is always colloquially said as your family is more important than acquaintances and friends and the actual saying is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb meaning the, the friendships the is and family that you make with people you're not related to is far more important than people you're with solely based on the womb. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing. But yeah, the, the, even even let's just take, let's just pretend, right, that, that, that bad apples, you know, it's just about, let's just pretend the phrase is simply, oh, I don't like bad apples. Like, let's just pretend, like, let's just say that's <laughs> the saying, right? It doesn't matter. The point is, like, even, like the, it, it's all bad apples, like, okay, your your good Uncle Bob who shows up to Thanksgiving and always brings the good wine, right? You know, and he's so nice to you and he's good with the kids and whatever. And it's like, again, first of all, 40% chance he's beating the shit out of his wife at home. Number two, he if he's not, and again, this is 40%, by the way, reported. But if he's not, then he's part of the other percentage covering it up. 
that's the thing is, and I, 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 you know, again, it's been years. This is this is a good god six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. I can't remember how long ago this shooting was, but there was a shooting caught on camera. Someone someone filmed it from like across the street. The cops didn't even know they were being filmed, and they do a stop. Black guy jumps out of the car and runs away. Right, just jumps out, doesn't point anything. He doesn't like have a hoagie under his arm. They thought it was a gun, you know. No, nothing, nothing. He just turns and he's like, "Fuck this!" and runs away from them. The cop, the white cop, immediately pulls a gun out and shoots him in the fucking back and kills him. They then go over to the body, search the body, and when there's nothing to be found, his partner, a black cop, pulls out a gun. And places it on the ground after rubbing the guy's hand on it. Plants the weapon. This was caught on video. This happens all the time. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, your Uncle Bob might not be willing to shoot a man in the back. But your Uncle Bob is more than happy to cover up the crimes of those who do. And that's literally just as bad. This is why we have accomplice laws. You know, you don't have to run into the bank with a gun to be a bank robber. If you're the getaway driver, you're part of the bank robbing team. And the best cops, if you wake up and you put a badge on and go into work, you are an accomplice. Doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you are IA. I don't care if you're a paper pusher who works a desk. I don't care if you're a training officer. I don't care if you're public outreach, you know, and you, you, all you do is organize the Kiss of Pig Day every year. Like, whatever it is, I don't care. Like, if you are part of this system, every single job in this system exists to support itself. Right. Like no matter what you do at Boeing, your job is to help lift planes in the air. You might not be an aircraft engineer. You might not be a pilot. You might not work ground crew. Maybe you're a maintenance guy who helps swab toilets, but you still support the system and do labor to increase the system of making planes exist. Right. And it's the same thing. And if planes are awful, then everyone in that system is accountable. And every single sworn peace officer is either a cold-blooded killer or backs up, supports, and covers and trains and helps cold-blooded killers. Yeah, that's well said, Chris. And, like, I don't know what else, like, bringing it back to Uvalde, like, I I, I struggle to articulate this because, like, what else do we need to see to understand this, right? Like, how many, I think last I heard there was 60 cops on scene during the shooting and like they're all radio in, talking to dispatch, right? Like calling different agencies. No one is saying like, what the fuck are you doing? Get in there now. Like it doesn't matter if you die. That's a school. Go, go. Like no one says that. Like, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like I, it's so deep in our psyche to like trust, like, oh, cops are the good guys, right? Like we think of them like firemen and postal workers and the fucking milkman and like this old school 1950s image. Yeah, this Norman Rockwell view. Yeah, and it, you were talking about the military earlier and there's like, you know, real deep roots between the American military and police force and like that is how they see themselves. They see themselves as an occupying army, the quote unquote thin blue line between order and chaos, and they can do no wrong. They are the law. And I, I like that's if anyone's listening to this, who like is would consider themselves like pro police or like, you know, doesn't agree with my assessment of the, of the problem. Like I'd ask for an explanation to the Evaldi shooting 
or those 67 cops who all resigned in protest in Buffalo? Like what, what else do you need to see to, to understand that like, we really need to tear down and rebuild policing from the ground up and policing. When I say policing there, what I really mean is like community safety, like the, the star program that we opened with, it's incredibly effective. It's what this city needs. And we're all just stuck in this, this echo chamber of cops can do no wrong. Therefore, when they let 19 kids die, it's actually, I don't know, there was too many doors on the school or whatever the fuck we're saying today. Fire exit wasn't locked or something. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. It It's nothing is going to happen. The people that are still on the side of cops at this point, nothing is going there. There aren't going to be enough dead children, enough dead black people, enough dead brown people for them to ever change their position at this point. Because, I mean, look what every time we learn. Uvalde, I think, is the perfect storm of proof for everything that anyone has been on the anti-copist has been saying. Like, I mean, um, Chris, you as being somebody who's been anti-cop from the beginning, like anything you've ever said about cops was shown to be true in this thing. They didn't protect anyone. They harmed the citizens that were trying to protect the children. They were just standing around. They had all the weapons and all the team that they could possibly have. Didn't do anything. They practiced with this team at this school for this situation two months prior. Like everything that the pro cop people have been saying we need in order to prevent this stuff, these cops had, did, and got. And still, we had dead kids. Right down to the Punisher thing. And, and we, we've joked about this before, but like the Punisher meme has always been stupid because the Punisher is the- Punisher the hates most, cops. At, yeah. The most <laughs> anti-cop Marvel character in existence is the fucking Punisher. So it's already stupid that they did this. But what is the Punisher? He's a vigilante who kills bad guys. If there was ever a time for a cop to live up to the Punisher moniker. It was during this fucking shooting. And the guy with the fucking Punisher background on his phone was sitting there just on his phone while his wife and a bunch of kids got murdered. Like texting his wife, by the way. So he's sitting there and to distract himself from the sound of screaming and dying children, he's talking to his wife who has also been shot and is dying. He's like, Oh man, someone should do something about this. Yeah. And so it's it, it, anybody with more than two brain cells rubbed to rub together can look at this and say, we've got a problem. Don't do that. It's very bad for your brain. Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, it hurts. <laughs> it starts fires. Um, but like every, anybody else who doesn't want to see this, they will either allow themselves to be brainwashed by the right wing narrative of this, or they will simply go back to the just a few bad apples. Anytime this happens, it'll be that precinct was bad. Mine isn't like that. All these other ones aren't like this. They'll, they'll quote some number. Like we have a thousand, you know, precincts and out of all of them, this is the one. And then next week we'll have another precinct where this happens and another one like, and, and, and I don't even think that matters. I think we could have an incident every single day at every single precinct in the United States like this. And the people that are still on the side of cops would continue to be on the side of cops. They would just find something new to defend this. with. 
Well, but that's because policing policing isn't just about policing, right? It gets part of a grander narrative. It's kind of like the January 6th hearings, right? Like, first of all, man, how fucking weird is it to be rooting for Liz Cheney? That's just, I if that doesn't okay. put the cherry on the we are in the fucking bizarro timeline, I don't know what else is. We're in the alternative um, timeline, man. Someone oh, went back it, in time and fucked with some shit. We are, yeah. <laughs> weasel, weasel theory, baby. It was the weasel. Yeah. It was the, it was the weasel Hadron Collider the, weasel. The Hadron Collider, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, we went from a dark time onto the darkest, hands down. But, like, the thing is, is again, it's that narrative. So it's like the January 6th hearings. Like, everyone's like, oh, well, now they're going to know. It's like, it's not going to fucking change anyone's minds, right? If you are of the idea that Trump is a fascist, his followers are traitors, and that an armed mob of fucking fascists stormed the Capitol, tried to overthrow the government to install a dictatorship, happened. All right, this is just porn. And if you are of the idea that that is not what happened... That it was either patriots just, you know, mad about a fraud election or it was Antifa and 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 Snuffleupagus doing it in disguise. Um, then your mind is not going to be changed because you're a fucking QAnon who thinks JFK is going to rise from the dead and put Trump back in office. Like the, the amount of bizarro fucking mental leaps you need to take to still be supporting this at this point, there is no hearing from Congress. Cause again, you're stuck in this feedback loop of conspiracy theories, right? You, you, it, it is a self feeding machine. It's like, well, Congress has shown that this is evidence. Well, yeah, but it's from Congress. Can't trust those guys. Yeah. That's the swamp. Can't do that. And it's like okay, there well, becomes what about all it's, these it's the no third parties. The, no, no you can't trust any of them. No. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it is it is the no true Scotsman um, uh, uh, logical, logical fallacy. 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 Yeah. yeah, it's the no true Scotsman fallacy. It's all it is. There is no any source that does not confirm to your belief is not trustworthy, and any source that does, regardless of actual facts, is an insider. You know, and it's the same thing. It's because it, it's a myth. It is a Donald Trump is the greatest thing, and he's going to fucking save us all. Right. And Democrats are baby eating pedophiles who hang out in pizza shops like that is just the narrative you have. And it cannot change because you are emotionally invested in it. Right. That narrative has become part of your identity. And it's the same with this cop thing. It's like you have to believe that cops are here to do good. And sure, there's some bad apples, but most cops are good people. And the real problem is Antifa and those damn darkies like that is the narrative and you and it's fucked up and it's wrong but you have to have it to sleep well at night because you are absolutely terrified because things are getting worse and your white privilege is starting to fade and that is a problem you know equality is scary to a white supremacist because you are hinging everything you have on you being a superior class of citizen and so anything to even the playing field or cause any reform is terrifying because your entire belief structure exists that you need to be at the top even if you don't want to say that out loud that's what it is and this narrative of cops have to be the good guys because if they're not what are we gonna do it's like again january 6th happened and everyone's like the cops are actually fighting us this is bullshit i can't believe it it's like you you didn't you, you didn't you didn't think the Capitol Police were going to take umbrage with people storming the Capitol. I mean, again, and they barely did. You, one person got shot. It is amazing. I don't know how the fuck they... Again, you know, we had armed guards at the Lincoln Memorial when BLM did a peaceful march. But fucking literally armed rioters stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And there's videos. You see the cops helping all the old ladies down the stairs and wishing everyone a good day and taking selfies with them. 
and even the whatever the gay occasions where they got pepper sprayed or pushed back they're like i can't the cops are against us can you fucking believe this and they were just awestruck because the idea that a police officer could not be serving your white interest and 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 that and that that your white comfortable straight cisgendered republican interest could not be the national interest is just does not compute can't handle it and yeah that's why that's insane like well said like i know this has been said before but like imagine if that was a black lives matter protest that came within a hundred feet if it was like i don't know five black people who came within a hundred feet of the capitol like all the snipers on the roof and everything would have just it would have been a completely different story. And well, like, imagine if uh, imagine if one of them had a cantaloupe that looked like a handgun. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And then, like you know, people are surprised when a white woman is breaking literally into the congressional chamber, like with people who have bombs and uh, zip ties and stuff. And they're like, "Why'd they shoot her? Like she was innocent." It's like, which, by the way, she got warned, like fucking 50 times oh my god like, they don't the dude you know. was yeah the dude was desperate to not shoot her he was trying yeah. everything he possibly could to not have to shoot this woman and it was literally the way he treated her was how all cops should be treating any black man ever but like yeah ashley babbitt got was, what she deserved and so yeah, she, she she got exactly absolutely. what she was looking for i'm not like i mean you guys have read what i wrote like it takes a lot for me to like be like yeah, the cops probably should have shot that person. Like breaking in to do a coup with a bomb is probably like you don't get to complain when that happens. You know, like you got what you're asking for at some level. You know, all these white nuts, white Nazi mass murderers. I would have no problem if those guys got shot, but all of them managed to get taken in peacefully. They always <laughs> seem to make it in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the cops fought Dylan Roof Burger King after he. It yep. was like 2008 after he yep. killed six people With in a church, black church. Right? Yeah, yep. yep. And said, "I killed them because they were black. Like that is why I killed them." The cops fucking bought him Burger King. Yeah, because to them, you look to the priest yeah. with with a hot meal. Here you go. Here's your fucking Happy Meal toy, kid. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, dude, Kyle Rittenhouse murdered people in the middle of a street, and the cops just drove by him as he's holding a rifle. Yeah, and then half the nation defended him. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he didn't have any of that scary scary melanin that needs to be kept out. But let's also, real quick, if we're going to talk about things like January 6th and that kind of thing, remember, just like how it's not good to be in this two-party loop of vote blue no matter who, Republican until I die, like investigate things that aren't just this two-way. Everything is not black and white. Everything is not bicameral. Just because the January 6th was a group of Nazis trying to create a fascist takeover of the government does not make the FBI the good guys. Stop <laughs> fucking rooting for them. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I mean, um, I'm going like a little bit off track here, but like watching the Democrats and the Republicans shift between the FBI and the CIA are good guys and bad guys, depending on which way the wind blows, like it's giving me whiplash. It's, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, like you said, we could do a whole nother episode on that of like vote blue, no matter who. Um, it's one of those things where I think we like just need to be staunch and like clearly saying like, Hey, just because a broken clock is right 
twice a day doesn't mean you trust the clock. Like that's hey, not just, the moral of the story. <laughs> everyone should watch Rambo three and watch yeah. Sylvester Stallone's speech at the end about how the Mujahideen and the Taliban are the freedom fighters that America needs. Just, it's so good. That explains American foreign policy better than anything in the world. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. And like to bring it back to like what we started our conversation with is like one of the things I like one of the articles I wrote was just frustration. The other one is, you know, showing people that it doesn't have to be this way that like yeah. we don't like there's I, and I think part of it is like one, all the stuff you talked about, about like, you know, there's a definitely an element of like, oh, I supported the cops 10 years ago. So I'm digging my heels in and I'm not I'm never going to admit I'm wrong. Um there's also, I think, this element of like, you know, people can't envision the alternative of like, well, if we get rid of the cops and there will only be the robbers and it's going to be like chaos in the streets and everything. And that's not true. Right. Like At all. Things- we, saw, we saw that in New York. That happened in New York. The cops got pissy because we were they were told they can't fucking profile black men anymore. And they were like, OK, we're just not going to respond to anything that isn't an emergency. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened? Crime weights dropped a lot of, and everyone got along fine. There were no problems. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing how the cops come out and they literally made the statement. The actual, they made their union made the statement. We're not going to arrest people. We don't absolutely have to. And it's like, why wasn't that already the plan? <laughs> what, what have you been doing this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's this, uh, this Stanford study that came out about the Denver star program, like explicitly goes out of its way to uh, refute the notion of broken windows policing. That's the theory that like you need to arrest people for low level crimes. Otherwise they will do high level crimes. And there's a, like a lot of like very scientific smart people stuff that I'm going to sound like an idiot if I try and explain. Um, but they oh no, talk it's pretty a lot. fucking common sense that oppressing poor people is not the way to stop white collar crime. Yeah. And they like, it's one of those things, right? Like Chris, you just said it out loud and like, that should be common sense. And like the researchers here are like comparing the different uh, remittance rates between like the districts and everything to like bring this like quote unquote, like fact-based, you know, how we were talking about with pricing in the beginning, how you have to prove everything as opposed to just saying like, Hey, we shouldn't lock people up for 10 years for jumping a subway turnstile or something like I'm sure we can link it in the show notes. It's definitely worth a read because it like they explicitly go out of their way to say like this ideology is bullshit and this program disproves it. Well, yeah. And not to mention like what we do already know, like this has been known for fucking ever is the moment you're in the system. All it does is it becomes a revolving door. It turns you into a better criminal that escalates. So the moment they get you in for jumping a turnstile, you're done. You're fucked. You, you, like, you've got a record. You've been in prison. How are you going to find your job? How are you going to vote? Like, we, we take away everything that allows you to be a functioning member of society. Yet while you're in prison, you learn all kinds of nifty skills and how to be a better criminal. Well, when you go back into society and you can't fucking join it, well, else are you going to do to live? Like, we yeah. know this happens. Like, it doesn't take a, a brain a brain surgeon to figure this out. Well, and our, our prisons have been declared inhumane by the UN already. Like, that thing is, like, not even, like, you learn criminal skills. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Crime is directly related to poverty. Crime is an abject result of capitalism and, 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 and poverty. If you eliminate poverty, you eliminate most crime. End of story. 
If you give people health care, help for drug addictions, psychological care, roofs over their head, and food to fucking eat, all of a sudden crime fucking drops. End of story. Um, and prisons are hell holes of rape and violence and gang activity. Yeah. Yeah, there's I'm I can't remember his name, but um I know there was a recent story of a a black kid in New York City, I think he was 17, 16, something like that, jumped a turnstile, um, got arrested and basically got buried in like the Rikers Island like bureaucracy. Yeah, ended and up like, killing he never himself. got his court date. Yeah. Yeah. Ended up he couldn't afford bail, ended up killing himself after two years in probably, you know, one of the most hellish places to 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 live you know like i i know this isn't a conversation about foreign policy but i always like one of the things i try and get across in my in my foreign policy writing is you know we don't have a lot of legs to stand on when we're con- like um condemning other nations human rights abuses when, we, we, yeah, we have none yeah. yeah we have 25 percent of uh the world's prison population um 13 percent or sorry uh african-americans um, make up 13% of the world prison population, despite being like less than 1% of the world's populations. Like, like I, I don't know how you can start pointing fingers when like we, we're the ones imprisoning people. Like I, well, I just, well, it's I easy when understand. you're a bunch of white people that just blame all the African-Americans. Like yeah. that, that's how you do it. <laughs> and the, the book that is famous for pointing this out is called the new Jim Crow. It's a really good fucking read. Everyone's another book. Everyone yes. should read. Um, the new Jim Crow is amazing, and it kind of points out how it's systematic. It is from the top down. Black neighborhoods are over-policed. Even though black people and white people commit drug crime at the same rate, black people are like five times more likely to be arrested. And then, when in court, seven times more likely to be arrested, to be convicted, and will face almost double the prison time for the same crime. It is every single stage of the criminal justice system is an absolute failure and oppressive system towards anyone of color. And it's not one thing. It's not just the cops, not just the courts, not just the laws. It's all of it. We have a system. Again, it's like, what else do you expect from a system that was built on chattel slavery? Yeah. And then when yeah. the convict leasing, like no shit. And the United States is hands down. Again, I am I'm not the world's expert, but historically, the United States is probably hands down the most evil empire that has ever existed. Nazi Germany has nothing on the United States. And I know that sounds fucking hyperbolic. It is not. You want to talk about the Holocaust? Let's talk about the genocide of Native Americans who lived here. Because yeah. you can't you can't even fucking compare them to what Nazi Germany did. You want to talk about the Gestapo? You want to talk about their secret police? Let's talk about what the FBI and CIA have done in our own borders, regardless of the regime change and fucking giant rape squads and armies we've sent across the world. You know, let's talk about us participating in massive starvation genocides in India and Pakistan. Like, let's talk about how we're responsible for the starvation that's going on right now in Sri Lanka. United States companies forcing them to quote unquote and bribing their officials to go organic for some weird fucking vanity play has caused starvation right now that's happening now we have concentration camps on our border we have a torture prison in cuba we have a, we barricade cuba keep them from fucking food medicine the right to life we invaded two sovereign nations in this last decade on a premise that didn't exist we've killed over a million iraqis on their own fucking soil like and this is what we know about jesus christ can we go into vietnam should we 
go into Korea? Should we go into what we did in fucking China, in Russia? Should we talk about the fucking Bush doctrine in South America? The United States has created more death, misery, starvation, rape, and murder than any other organization that has ever existed. And I am including the British Empire and Genghis Khan in this. No one has raped the earth more than the United States of America. We learned from the best and we made it better. I think a, a one thing that like really hit me on how we sort of like you guys were talking about cognitive dissonance earlier and like a lot of the conversation around um, I'm going to get her name wrong. Brittany Gardner, the NBA, a WNBA player held in Russia. Is that am I? Oh, I don't remember right? her name. Yeah, yeah. I didn't talk, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But like, you know, and anytime anyone on the left talks about Russia, I get accused of being like a pro Putin guy. So let me just clarify, like Putin's a sack of shit and I, Hope the worst thing in the world happens to him. But I have to like, do that every time I talk about Ukrainian Nazis. Like, by the way, Putin's a bloodthirsty maniac. Yeah, right. Him, like, but... you gotta just give it the yeah, because your words just get turned around on you. But like, a hundred percent, she should be released. Like, she was locked up for weed. But at the same time, like, man, if we really wanted to get black women out of jail for weed, yeah. we could do that here. Like, what are we talking about? Just yeah. a few years ago, when what's her name, this the 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 actress from Full House, right, got busted lying and bribing officials to get her daughter into a school, and she got hit with a small and fine and a yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, meanwhile, an exact similar case of a woman who accidentally wrote one number wrong on her address, not on purpose, and her daughter ended up going to a different high school, was thrown in prison because. She, and guess which one was black? Yeah, yeah. I know we like took a divergence here, but I don't think you can separate like our imperial yeah, it's part and parcel, from man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and here's the it's, thing: like, yeah. it wouldn't be the alt left podcast if we didn't diverge on something. <laughs> I don't think it would be a podcast if we, if we didn't diverge. I, I don't yeah. even think it's I don't even think it's tangential. I think it's right on yeah. topic. We're we are uh, yeah. talking about yeah. the brutalization of people from a modern American policing, and this is where we're at. You know, is is uh, Albuquerque Police Department. You can go on YouTube and watch videos of them hunting homeless for sport, shooting them with AR-15s. They literally hunt homeless people in Albuquerque. Los Angeles Sheriff's Department has a murder gang, and they have their own tattoos, and our sheriff has one and will not display it. Like... This is what we're dealing with. I am, uh, I am on, if I'm not here when this airs on Monday, you'll know why. I am going to be uh, protecting a Planned Parenthood on Saturday because there's a fucking Proud Boy rally going to storm it on Saturday. Guess who's promoting it? Several Los Angeles County sheriffs are part of the Proud Boy Brigade that's going to be storming the Planned Parenthood. The law enforcement is on the side of the fascists and yeah. always has been and always will be. And until yeah. we separate policing from policy and we tear it down and rebuild it from a system like the STAR program you're talking about, I would love to see – look over in England, right? You go to England, you don't see cops with guns. Police, police have like fucking pepper spray, right? And if there's a bad situation where you need a fucking guy with a gun, they make a call to Scotland Yard and a special fucking SWAT van will show up to a situation that requires it. And they spend the rest of the day playing fucking cards. That is what armed response should be. We should be sending out care workers and unarmed people to responses. And if an armed response is necessary, then a specialized small team can be dispatched to assess. But that requires you to care about your citizenry more than your propaganda. And that's just not American. But the good news is the STAR program isn't the only one of these out there. Star, I think STAR was one of the first ones. But these are happening all over the country now. Uh, and I think... 
I, I don't think the right the the red states are gonna adopt them in mass, but I guarantee you you will start seeing these in blue states. We still have red states that won't accept Obamacare money. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's one of the main reasons. The other one is they don't want it. Like they, no, they, they don't want bought, it. Yeah, they, they don't care about savings. They don't care about being healthy. Anything that contradicts their worldview, they will reject outright. It doesn't matter how much. And that's part of the reason why I think you also find a lot of situations where some of these red states are the poorest in the nation. Um, yet they will constantly vote for rich, right assholes like Donald Trump. Because they're not poor, they're just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Yeah. Donald Trump's poor. Yep. Oh yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but we could go into that one for a long while. Uh, but since we've got Joe here, uh, we're not going to let him go because we have uh, more in the mailbag, and uh, Joe gets to comment on it too. Since we're talking about oh. uh, dissension and reform. Yeah. Hell so yeah. we've actually been having this back and forth with E Pluribus Unum on reform versus uh, revolutionary, right? Now, I know you weren't on the last episode. The Cliff's Notes version of this, Joe, is that he's in favor of reform. We are, Chris and I are not. Um, and we've been going back and forth. Now, he says a lot here, Chris, and he, I, I'm just going to put this out there. He pluribus, you're getting a little condescending in your writing. I don't feel like we're trying to be that way towards you. And I don't know if you meant to come off this way, but this is what he says. So you had a line that he quoted. So this is how he starts. It does not happen in Latin, Latin countries. In fact, that was the worst example he could have given. Chris said that because E Pluribus Unum cited Latin countries as a good example where reform works. All right. Ah, yes. Che Guevara and Fidel Castro, the great reformers of Cuba, bringing <laughs> well, so, centricism to center stage. Yeah. And so he so here's the thing. He quotes that and then responds with, I guess it was foolish of me to assume that you knew what the pink tide is. We do know what the pink tide is. And you know what happened right after the pink tide? A fucking wave of conservatism. It didn't work. The arg and again, I'm getting aggressive here because that is the way you've written that is very condescending. We absolutely know what the pink tide is. And once again, you're giving an example of, of reformism not working. The goal here is that you not only have a leftist wave, but the leftist wave sticks and continues to move left. That's an example. That situation is where it's worked. So if you cite an example where you had a big leftist wave and then it immediately was countered by a huge right wing conservative wave, well, the reform didn't work. And, and can we point out that one of the reasons that happened is because of U.S. CIA intervention, which has always been the case in Latin America. Like, the, the thing is that communism doesn't work. It's like, no, communism has trouble standing up to CIA assassinations. So he goes on. He's like, I'm seeing a fundamental misunderstanding of reformism. You consistently bring up compromise. Reform equals compromise, at least not to a majority of the people I have seen who adhere to reformism. Now, first of all, let me say the reason we bring up compromise, because in a situation where you are working towards change from within, you have to compromise with the other side. If you are not compromising and you're just bulldozing over them, congratulations, you're a revolutionary. You're not a reformist. That, that 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 there is no compromise in reform or in revolutionary side of things. If you're reforming, you're compromising. You're working with other groups that don't agree with you to accomplish your ends. That's why we're transposing the two. Unless again, you could technically have reform without compromise, but then you're talking about completely suspending the democratic process. 
Like you are ending the republic and federalism. So it's like, sure, you you could say that like, no, there is no compromise. One side just got everything they wanted. It's like, cool, but that's not democratic process. Or are you saying you should step away from the democratic process? Because again, that's a far more revolutionary ideal and doesn't seem <laughs> well, to be where you're going with. You're talking about reform I don't think, time. Yeah, I don't think it is. Because he goes on to say the next sentence, all reformism is, is enacting social change through changing the system from within. It still has the same end goal, just without a bunch of dead people. And again, how are you going to change the system from within? If the system is chock full of people that completely disagree with what you're trying to do, how do you change it? Yeah, this is something that, like, I've, um, in the spirit of of chat of going over every every topic, um, I was thinking a lot about um, with regards to Roe v. Wade being overturned and how the majority of Americans do not want it to be overturned, um, and basically the Supreme Court, which is nine unelected Ivy Leaguers, just kind of squinted at the Constitution and like get to decide what you know what we're feeling today. And I like just thinking through how that gets resolved. I'm not sure. Right. So like the, the conservative answer is like, Oh, amend the constitution, but to amend the constitution, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you need two thirds of the States. It's never happened uh, that way yeah. before. And like, yeah. it's, it's uh, very actually, you need, you need three quarters. You need two thirds. Yeah, you, like of you need a okay. bicameral two thirds of Congress and then a three quarters of States. Yeah. And then, of course, that brings us back to the issue of like, well, now we're dealing with the Senate, which is undemocratic to begin with. And also like is actually like originally people forget this. Senators weren't directly elected. Right. Like the founders thought we were all dumb pieces of shit who shouldn't get to vote on anything. And And the president was supposed to be elected from the Senate, too. A hundred percent. Yeah. And like this is all just to say, like, I think. Looking at the United States, I know um, this conversation is looking at Latin America and the pink tide, but I don't see how there is a um, 100% operating in the in the um, legislative system remedy for this, right? Like, I think this is going to cause severe fractures in what we think of as like the United States, maybe, you know states regions start to institute their own laws um ignoring whatever the supreme court says like and i, I think this gentleman is or whoever this is i shouldn't assume it's a gentleman no, is i think the same thing we, we confirmed it is. It. okay guy, yeah all I right think he clarified for us he's okay <laughs> good um thinking about it in the sense of like revolution is when you just start shooting people which i don't necessarily agree with um but like i I don't know. I'd love to ask this person, like, how do you see what we're dealing with in the United States where the democratic will of the people is not only ignored, but 100% blocked from being enacted? Um, yeah. And that's kind of the question I would pose to him. Well, and he yeah. goes on. There's there's more here. So I'll, I'll keep going. And I'm getting heated at a pluribus because, again, I'm, I'm inferring condescension where there may, may not be any. Uh, he goes on to say, most of what you said about reformism, I can easily push back to revolution. What, what have revolutionary leftist groups accomplished? We're going to get into that in America because we've and, and child labor. That, yeah, uh, we've already conceded that it's more American focused combo because it is. We're talking about America and we're using examples from other countries. From all the stuff I've seen, significantly less than what reformists did. In fact, though things outside of the control, they can actually cause a net negative. One bomb is thrown at police. Boom, you need crackdown. 
Meanwhile, quite a number of socialists have not only been elected to Congress in the U.S., not just modern day the U, uh, with the DSA, but have pushed massive reforms within the system. That's why the CPUSA was stamped out. Again, put, you're making our argument for us here because a lot of people either directly or tertiarily affiliated with them uh, were being affected are being elected and influenced by Roosevelt's administration. If success is the issue, then I think it's the pot calling the kettle black. But here's the thing. We addressed this very point in our last response. We gave you examples of revolutionary form. In fact, there's not a single gain that we have made on the left that hasn't been made because of violence. Period. Yeah. Violence in the streets, fighting cops, hanging politicians. Like We ended child labor and got overtime and weekend pay because of communist revolutionaries in this country. And you can take it outside the United States. Again, we, we ended slavery and plant, we ended plantation slavery in Cuba with revolution. Venezuela nationalized their own minerals and oils through revolution. The Soviet Union threw off the shackles of a czar through revolution. China ended serfdom through revolution. And again, you can be like, well, those are authoritarian. Okay. The United Kingdom, you know how they got their parliament and ended the king reigning over everything. It was called the Glorious Revolution. <laughs> Read a book. Like every single, every single change away from despotism towards anything even remotely democratic has come at the hands of violent revolution. And that is because, as Asada Shakur says, that quoting, which by the way, a uh, American revolutionary in exile in Cuba, uh, has said, um, nobody in the world, nobody in history has ever gotten their freedom by appealing to the moral sense of the people who were oppressing them. And that is why you cannot have reform and actual massive change that serves the people without either violence or the threat of violence. But no matter what, it cannot be done without tearing down the system, not band-aiding well, it. And let's go back to the U.S. here because the prime example, and Chris, we've talked about this before, but let's say it again. The go-to for anyone usually that's going to advocate for this is they're going to point to Martin Luther King. And while I agree with you in the beginning... Oh, the revolutionary socialist, Martin yeah. Luther King, who said we need to overthrow the country to stop Vietnam and the impression of the poor? Awesome. Yeah, that one. Now, the guy who said the white moderate re reformist is the greatest uh, <laughs> villain he has? Sure, okay. Yeah. Now, he had peaceful protests, but let's not forget he in the was beginning. a single person. Yes, in the beginning. And towards the end, he was ready to start burning shit down. But again, he was not the, the, the only person during the civil rights movement. We had Malcolm X. We had all kinds of other leaders, too. And most of them were violent. Malcolm X is on record as saying the reason, the main reason he did what he did so violently was so that people could look to Dr. King as the alternative to his violence. Yeah. And again, he he paraphrased it. Out, but yeah. He also pointed out a big a big thing here where he's, he's, and it's often taken as fluff. Malcolm X said he will work towards liberation by any means necessary. And there's a reason he chose those words, because it also puts into perspective what's at stake. And it's really easy, right, for a pan. Oh, my God, we have four straight white guys. It's a podcast. But, like, <laughs> it's really easy for four straight cisgendered fucking white guys to sit here upon our literal Mount Everest piles of privilege and be like, well, I just don't like it when they break a window or if someone gets hurt or what if someone gets injured or oh, if the cops or this or what if this. That's great. People of color are being murdered, raped, and lynched. Like, again, you're standing on genocidal land built on slavery in a system that is still convict leasing. And you're going to sit here and fucking cry about a target burning down? 
you're the problem. Reform doesn't work, and it's easy to preach reform, and I just want peaceful. It's like, yeah, because your life is peaceful. Because me as a white man doesn't have to worry about getting fucking shot in the back when I get pulled over for a taillight because of the color of my skin. It's only going to be if he does a social media search on me. But, like, (laughs) I don't have to worry about that stuff because I'm straight. So people who are gay bashing and transphobes and that kind of thing, they're not going to come for me. I'm white. And so the cops are far less likely to fucking murder me. I'm a man. So I'm far less likely to get murdered in a bar for rejecting someone who wants to fuck me. Like, these are things I don't have to fucking worry about. And so it's real easy for me to be like, well, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, because I'm not at suffering. But we have people of color who have to teach their kids how not to talk to cops so that they don't end up being like Tamir Rice. And how many people need to die before you go, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe we need to to do this by any means necessary. And that's what Malcolm X was looking at. He was pointing out that there is zero cost that is greater than an execution of an entire class of human. And that, that perspective, we all, all of us white people and men and straight people need to be reminded that we sit in comfort on a nation that has existed for centuries on the blood and murder of queer people and people of color. Yep. Yeah, that's well said. I don't have much to add. The only thing I'd say is, you know, uh, Stonewall was a riot that was not peaceful asking for gay rights. And I don't think... Um, you can ignore the work of John Brown in Bleeding Kansas leading up to the appetite for violence to end slavery. Um, yep. That's all I John say. Brown did nothing wrong. Well, and so, and I just want to wrap this up by saying, like, we just gave you a bunch of examples. And I think this is the second time we've listed a lot of these. Can you, I'll put this to you, can you give us any example of reformism that worked and held? Because, I mean, even in the UK and Europe right now, which is arguably more progressive than us, they're experiencing a wave of conservatism and an uprising of neo-Nazis and white nationalism. Like, it's happening everywhere. And where that reform exists without massively oppressing other groups. Like, you can look at Canada and say, well, look at Canada. That's a progressive area that works really well on reformism. Okay, cool. Ask the native population how well that worked out for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. When you're standing on a pile of children's bones, it's real easy to say, "Look how high I got." Like we're the goal here. Like ultimate goal is equity and equality for all races, genders, and 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 sexual preferences. Right. The end goal is an end to poverty and suffering, hunger, homelessness, sickness, and death. Those are the end goals. I think most humans, if you talk to them in terms of those end goals, we can all agree that's what we want. Okay. Reformism in a capitalist society like ours is not getting us those results. Even when we make gains, we are ultimately thrown back by an even bigger wave of conservatism and right-wing fascism after them. Even though Antifa burned down Chicago 74 times? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and so, yeah, uh, I, I, w- I would love to hear a rebuttal to that. Like, and I don't know I, if there is one, but we'll see. That's what I want to hear, because every example you provided for, like, here's the thing, I'm not denying there was a big wave of communism here in the U.S. in the 1940s. And then what happened in the 50s? I'm not denying that the pink tide is something that happened. And then what happened right after it? It's like every example you've given us so far, we can point to that example being 
thrust backwards by a bigger wave of conservatism. Like the best way the to know if you're happen. correct about a historical point is if you have a historical point to make what happened on the next page. And that will tell you whether or not you're correct or not. And always do that. Everyone, myself included. Before we go, uh, Joe, you've been amazing. So, hey, thank you for being here. Of course. Yeah. And, and I want you to tell everyone where they can go to read your stuff, spread the word about you, what links, what social medias you want, and in what way can people consume what you offer that helps keep the lights on? Yeah, definitely. Um, so all my writing uh, goes um, on my website. It's joewrote.com, J-O-E-W-R-O-T-E.com. Um, Sorry, I hold on. I was, I was walking the dishes. Can you say that again? JoeWrote.com, J-O-E-W-R-O-T-E.com. Um, anything Joe, I write. I'm a little any- slow. Can you, uh, I'm, I was writing it down. Can you write, give me that one more time? Yes, sir. JoeWrote.com, J-O-E-W-R-O-T-E.com. Perfect. Uh, I think I got it. Awesome. I think we got it that time. Yeah. Um, anything I write goes up there. Um, come hang out with me. I uh, like to talk to my readers, engage with the audience. And of course, I'm uh, on Twitter at Joe Mayall, J-O-E-M-A-Y-A-L-L. And that's mostly shit posting and yelling at the people who started the Iraq war. So, and we will have links yeah. to all of this on our Twitter. So hang out. So everyone head to our, if you're, if you're looking for that and you're driving in the car and didn't have a chance to carve it into your arm, like a knife, like a good alt left podcaster listener would make sure to go to our Twitter and we will have links for him on there. And Joe, thanks for being here, man. This is awesome. I really appreciate your input. Yeah. Thanks guys. This was a, this was a blast. I think we had a great conversation. Absolutely. And thanks for all you're doing. I love your writing. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good one. And to all our listeners, thanks for sticking with us. And it was a bit of a long one, but I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And remember, the revolution, not the reform, is you. (laughs) 